Welcome to Crystallizing Conversations. Join your hosts, Jillian Aurelia Green and Iris Unique as we explore the tools, pathways, and possibilities for healing and expansion. Through the warmth of easy conversation, we'll be delving into magic, mental health, and more. This is your time to learn about yourself, each other, and of course, the crystals that support us along the way. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community of your closest spiritual friends. Let's grow together. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crystallizing Conversations. Mm-hmm. We are so excited to have Asha Ramakrishna here to speak to us about ancient astrology, Vedic astrology, which is something that up until our pre-meet with with Asha, I was not familiar with. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Um, And yeah, I'm just going to read Asha's bio for all of you so that you can get to know a little bit about her before we get started. She is the number one best-selling author of the book, The Priestess Code, Awakening the Modern Woman, and co-author of Your Soul Map, Liberation, Human Design, and the BIPOC Experience. Oof. With a, <laughs> with that a ba- title alone is amazing. Yeah, right? Both of them. <laughs> um, with a background in molecular biology and business development, Asha breaks esoteric teachings into practical, logical approaches to living. She is originally from Venezuela and of South Indian a- ancestry and currently lives in occupied Nipmuc land, which is Harvard, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) So Asha and I met probably, it was right around when I first started selling crystals because I started back with crystals in 2018, 17, but 16 with crystals. So I think Mm. we met Mm -hmm. right when it was, or sorry, succulents was in 2016, crystals in 2017. I think Mm -hmm. it was right when I was first introducing crystals. And we met through a mutual customer friend of mine. She was like, you have to meet my friend Asha. And Asha ended up being in town in Encinitas. And we met up for coffee. And yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm a customer too. <laughs> yeah. She's a customer too. Customer and friend. Um, and before we really get into the topic, Asha wanted to get started with something special for us. Yeah, you know, today and for the next nine days, it's Navrati, which is a nine-day goddess festival honoring all the forms of Durga. And um, she is definitely dear to my heart. Um, she is um, the consort of Shiva, if you know of Lord Shiva. And she is the, um, the spiritual warrior, right? The great mother who fights um, for what is just. And um, so I wanted to first um, honor her and honor this festival, but I just have like just a couple of uh, mantras that I want to say because this topic that we're doing, that we're talking about today, Vedic astrology, Yotish astrology, Yotish means light, uh, means bringing light. And so I wanted to um, include the deities that support that kind of energy. So thank you for letting me do that. All right. Oh, so nice. very quickly, as you know, um, 
Ganesha is always honored first. So, Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha. And now Sarasvati, that is the goddess of the student. Om Sarasvatiye Namaha. And then the Lord of the teachings of the cosmos. Om Hayagrivaya Namaha. And then now honoring all the teachers, the gurus that have come before us. Om Gurube Namaha. And today for um, Navrati, Om Him Shri Shailaputri Durgave Namaha. And then, of course, I want to honor all the teachers who have come before me in this plane Karen Parker, Christina Solaris, Kalki Das, and all those before them. <laughs> Thank you. That was beautiful. I got Thank, chills. I know. Thank <laughs> oh, you for yay. sharing that with us. Bills are always good. <laughs> yeah, that was, I love that. Um, <laughs> so, can you tell us just a little bit about you and how you got um, involved in Vedic astrology? You know, it's a little bit of a windy road, right? Like all of us. Like we, I always think about the book, um, The Alchemist by Paulo oh. Coelho. You know mm-hmm. that? Yeah. And I always yes. think about I mean, that. Like, if you don't know that book, my friends, <laughs> you yes. must go read, the, go read this book. Now, pause <laughs> We've the mentioned recording. it. Exactly. We've mentioned it on multiple episodes. Really? Yes. (laughs) I feel like that book was the beginning of so many people's spiritual journey of the, Mm -hmm. oh, there is, you know, that, that yearning for something else. And all of a sudden this book felt like a little key that all of a sudden we could start accessing it. Um, And so I'm not surprised it continually comes up, but anyways, back back to your story. (laughs) It was, I mean, it was very pivotal for me, um, as well. And actually how I connected to my partner now of 20 some years also like that book was a connection point. And Mm. I keep thinking about that book because, you know, he goes on this journey and really he, at the end, not to like give it away, but at the end, he discovers that the treasures are right there at home, right there inside you. Right. And so I kind of feel like I'm having that Um, you know, that same kind of moment where I've traveled all over (laughs) through different teachings and then, ha, I've arrived, um, in Vedic, in the Vedas, in the most ancients of, uh, teachings and scriptures. And so my journey honestly began as most people who are into spirituality with my own pain, right? And so my own pain was really around, um, the love that I didn't feel that I received from my father. And, you know, I I worked on that um, for many years. And then I had my first daughter and I really felt that she kind of brought it to head, right? Like I was either going to deal with what was inside me or I wasn't. And she was that moment in my life where I kind of did my little white flag of surrender. Like, I'm like, okay, I don't have it figured out. I can't pretend. And um, in one of those desperate moments, um, 18 years ago, someone said, have you looked at human, have you looked at her human design? And I was like, I have no idea what that is, but bring it on. Right? Like, what is it? Like, tell me, like, whatever way I can understand this human, um, Mm -hmm. I'm interested. 
And so it ended up that she was a reflector, which Mm -hmm. is, if you know anything about human design, it seems as though there's not a lot of them, right? Yeah. It's like 1% of the population. That's what they say. But I all, but now I've learned um, since, since writing this book on human design and interviewing people who look at um, assigning percentages to things that that's actually, mm-hmm. um, and, and we can talk about that some other time, but yeah. that <laughs> it's actually not good to assign percentages because mm. it's like a way of um, categorizing. Like we don't say that in Western astrology. We don't say 1% is cancer, right? So there's yeah, like, that's true. there's a problematic piece to doing that, but it seems as though they're a little rare. We'll just say that. And, mm-hmm. but um, they're rare because they're the barometers um, of communities. And so her outrage and her anger was really a barometer of what was happening in the family unit, what was happening inside me. I can honestly say that. And then, you know, the things that I needed to look at. So that's how I got started. And then I remember being super curious about astrology, but also being like, this seems so overwhelming. I don't (laughs) know that my brain can tolerate this, right? And so human design, for whatever reason, seemed more accessible to me, maybe um, maybe because of the teacher. I think teachers always help. Uh, synthesize things in a, in a way that's more simple to digest. But anyway, through the years, I was like a human design person and I deepened in that. And then um, I've been into, um, you know, uh, just Western astrology. And then recently for the past year, more into the Vedic astrology. So I come to this topic like very humbly as a priestess of this, but also like the acknowledgement that I do feel like I am still a student, right? Um, and maybe we're always students of the thing that we're in devotion to anyway, but I just so want to say that. Beautiful. Um, so as I think I mentioned, but maybe it was before we started recording that before, um, I hadn't really, I wasn't familiar with Vedic astrology. I had heard the term. Um, and obviously in our pre-meet, we talked a little bit about it and how human design, that's one of the, the, the foundations of human design is Vedic astrology. So can you just tell myself and our listeners a little bit about it and how it differs to Western astrology, which most of us are familiar with. And most of the time when, you know, we're scrolling on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, when they're talking about astrology, mm-hmm. it's referring to Western. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, if you could just dive a little bit into the differences between the two and a little bit of the history. Yeah. So if we are to look at history, um, the Vedas are like the most ancient scriptures found and they are um, you know, to my knowledge anyway, about 10,000 years old, right? And so it is believed, this is potential, that the information from the Vedas, where the Sapta Rishis, the seven Rishis, the seven um, big teachers, sages, um, studied the stars. And it is believed that those teachings traveled to Greece and to um, also uh, Egypt. Um, and then in that, um, in that like place in, in Greece in the Greco-Roman times, 
um, there was a, a, a more popularizing, right, of, of those teachings. So the, the differentiation between the two, if you were just going to look at it from like big picture is like, okay, one is older. Um, and also the calculations are different. And why are the calculations different? So in Western astrology, we take a look at the sun as um, like a, the relativity of the planets to the sun. So we take into account the sun and the calculations are done from that, um, you know, that uh, idea that was established like 2000 years ago, right? And mm -hmm. with Vedic astrology, the calculations are actually done from if you were sitting here, like wherever you live, and you looked up at the stars, whatever stars, whatever constellations are visible in that moment is how Vedic is calculated. So hmm. not, we're not considering the sun. The sun is one of the planets, but not we're not doing a calculation based on relative to the sun. So like, what does that mean in terms of the calculations? It means that um, uh, tropic, uh, tropical or Western astrology, let's say it's zero degrees Aries. Well, in Vedic astrology, it would be around 24 degrees. Um, oh. So that it's a 24 degree dif difference. That's, and that's, that's why if you're a sun, difference. yeah. Um, so if you're sun in Cancer in Western, you would be, um, you know, sun in Gemini. Wow. Yeah. I can see how this, how, how people who are very attached to their signs and what they believe their signs to be in tropical astrology would get a bit thrown when entering into Vedic astrology and all of a sudden there aren't, you know, in, in this school of, you know, of astrological uh, tradition or traditions, they're no longer what they thought they were. I get that. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna, I mean, I know we're laughing, but I have actually lost friends who I mean, were I, it's, a little people, bit upset with me that yeah. I started learning Vedic astrology. And I was like, kind of like saying like, oh, okay. If you look up at the stars, we're actually full moon and da da da. And they were like, I don't like what you're saying. No, I, I mean, I'm laughing, but like, also I'm, I'm very serious about the fact that people are very much attached to their signs and I can just imagine how angering, like how angry that they could be and upset that they would, you know, they can be because, you know, when you're attached to something, to a belief about yourself and yeah. then you're faced with another, another yeah. viewpoint that could be, you know, very jarring. And I wow. actually really love jarring ourselves because the moment that we start putting so much emphasis on one thing and giving it power, then mm -hmm. we really are releasing our own power. And the truth is mm -hmm. that, you know, when we really speak about being in presence and we really speak about like every moment is a moment of curiosity and a moment that is new. Well, if I have such a like um, solid maybe not flexible enough um, definition or view of myself, then I don't actually allow myself to be whatever it, the moment is asking me to be. So I love plugging into different cosmologies and different angle points of being able to see myself and my students and, you know, showing them like, okay, from this cosmology, you are this. And from this cosmology, you're this. And so you get to interpret, depending on the season that you're in, what 
is going to serve you the most and empower you the most. Ultimately, I am, and even like in this last book, um, the soul map, like we talked about, well, how do you use Vedic and how do you use tropical? And for me, it's not about like necessarily one is better than another. It's like, there's a place and a time for one and there's a place and a time for another. I was just thinking about that's kind of for me, how I feel, which this is a totally separate topic, but personally how I feel about religion because people get so stuck on, you know, this is the, and, and I grew the up right in a very, way, yeah, true this way. is the right, exactly. This is the truth. And for me, I've always looked at it of, we can take all of it, whatever resonates for, for us. And, you know, maybe this one part of this religion, I really wholeheartedly believe in, but in this other religion, I love this because it's so beautiful and you can almost just adapt to what resonates most with you and what helps soothe your soul the most and what is truth to you. It doesn't necessarily need to be these rigid black and whites and you're wrong. I'm right. It's take all of it and take what resonates because for me, as you're talking about it, to me, the, the tropical or Western versus the, I guess it's called side reel. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was well, there's lots going, of names, obviously. But, um, there's but the, lots of names, but in, in like the tradition, it's Yotish is what we call Yotish. it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> write that one down. Um, but to me, it's just a way to get to know yourself better in both rubric cards. Cause for me personally, I'm a Leo, but I never really felt like it resonated with me. And then I've learned a lot more since then. And you know, the rising sun and all, all the things. Um, but to be able to look at both and really, you know, pick and choose, you know, this resonates from this aspect, but this also resonates from the, you know, Vedic side. I think it's just another way for us to get to know ourselves on such a deeper level and understand ourselves and why we do the things we do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I all agree. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and maybe I'm also like on this, um, uh, passion um, path right now with the Vedic because I do, I mean, I I happen to have a really amazing teacher who um, is showing me not just the book knowledge, right? Because you can pick up a book and try to learn about what it is, but I'm also beginning to understand that there is a whole meta system behind Vedic astrology. It's not just about intellectualizing certain planet placements. It is also about stories mm-hmm. and deities and mythologies um, and, star, you know, the families of stars that come from uh, each of these. And, and even, you know, and if we even go um, beyond, right, how we think of Western astrology as like sun and cancer. Well, the truth is that in, in Vedic astrology, it's not just about the constellations. We also talk about the nakshatras. And the nakshatras are the stars that are part of the Cancer constellation, for instance, right? Oh. So each of the constellations has um, uh, nakshatras, additional nakshatras. So you can even go even deeper and like fine tune, like not all sun and cancers are the same. Why mm. is that? Right. And so then you mm. can, that's, that's why some people think that, or talk about Vedic astrology being more precise because there is that, um, the additional, um, point of the nakshatras. And then also, um, 
because I think some people really appreciate that the the um, calculation is being done real time um, versus taking a look at the sun. Just another way to dive deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So how are Vedic astrology charts created? Because I know you take essentially where you were when you were born and the time yep. you were born. So how does that work? Yeah, same. So it would be the same process as a Western chart, but you would just, you know, obviously if you're trying to calculate your chart, you wouldn't go to, I don't think you, I, maybe you can get your um, sidereal chart on astro.com, but there's um, vedicastrology.com. That, that's one place where people can get their chart. And in um, in Vedic astrology, we look at three important signs. Sun, obviously, but moon is actually more um, heightened um, from what I've seen from different uh, teachers. And then your ascendant is also important. So your ascendant, I guess I want to talk about that. So what does the ascendant mean? Like we hear that, but we're like, you know, we don't really pay attention to like, what does it actually mean? And what it means is that it is the point in the moment that your soul decided to incarnate, it is the moment where the skies meet the earth. It is the moment where past meets future and you are that like central point. It's like your horizon, right? So it's kind of like when you see, when you hear it like that, you're like, oh, my ascendant is that moment where sky meets earth. That's me. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm like writing that down. Yeah. <laughs> writing that down. Right? So um, then now it's like, oh, okay, let me go discover that, right? Let me go discover what my walk is supposed to be on this incarnation. And then we look at the moon. Um, the moon is more, um, I don't know how, I, I mean, there's different Western astrology schools, right? Like certain people maybe focus on it, certain people don't. But in Vedic astrology, there is definitely a, an accentuation of the moon. The moon, mm-hmm. the moon as a deity, as a star, as a sister, family member, that is traveling with us and going through all the different changes um, that we go through also as humans, right? So it really like speaks to our humanity and speaks to um, our mental state also, right? Like you can, you can say like um, people see you a certain way, but on the inside you feel differently, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all have experienced that, that people will see us a certain way and, and you're like, okay, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of am like that. But like, <laughs> if you knew what it was like inside my head, um, you wouldn't think that, right? And so the moon sign is that that aspect that confirms how we really feel on the inside, you know? And like, what do we got to work? Our mental state, our mindset, how we process the world is, is a whole like lifetime of, you know, working on it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the sun, of course, as we hear about all the time is how we express ourselves is how we shine, but it's not as, um, consistent as the moon energy Mm -hmm. because 
the sun energy is more like, okay, I'm shining, right? Like we can't shine 24 seven. Even if we, when we look at the sun, okay, the sun is shining for, you know, is out for a period of time. And Mm -hmm. then it like, it's not as, it's not visible. Um, so it's similar kind of, um, symbology that you can use, um, with the Vedic astrology with the sun. It's still there. It's obviously a part of your character, but it's not going to be the energy that you're always going to be like, um, emitting and expressing out in the world, but it's a part of you. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And then, so obviously, so we have the ascendant, the moon and the sun. Mm -hmm. What is the by looking at someone's chart, and I guess it's going to be kind of hard without people actually. So maybe someone might want to like pause, look it up as, as we're talking, but what type of information can people gather from? So like, so say they go, they plug in their information, they have their chart. How is this going to help them in their day to day? Or how's this going to help them and their, you know, their relationships, whether it be with themselves or with, you know, their significant other or their coworkers, how is knowing this information beneficial? And I, I know it's so beneficial, but kind of just want to yeah. <laughs> break, break it down for us. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think it's like how you find out anything about yourself, right? Like how, how does that help you? I, I think it's really ultimately about empowering ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I think that that's a big task that all of us have on this world right? Is how do we fulfill what we came here to do? And how do we become empowered with um, good information, information that's relevant, information that's helpful to us? And, you know, let's talk about like the four fulfillments of the soul, right? The Vedas talk about how there's four fulfillments. There is moksha or liberation, just like one of my favorites, um, then there is dharma or purpose, also another favorite. Um, there, <laughs> okay, maybe they're all my favorites, uh, but yeah, there, um, there's kama, like you hear of the kama sutra, right? That has to do with pleasure. Okay. A favor, favorite one too. And then there is basically money. Okay. It's money Ooh. and resources. Yeah. Um, and Yeah. Uh, sorry, planned, it'll come eventually. What happened? Um, and it will come at some point. But basically, like those four: liberation, uh, purpose, pleasure, prosperity. That is mm. what we've come here to do. And so, when we look at whatever cosmology you want to look at, but for me, when we look at Vedic astrology, we can then see. Even even the nakshatra that's associated with kama, um, with pleasure or dharma, right? Like these, that that gives you like added insight. So if my moon is accentuating dharma, then of course it makes sense that that is what I'm in pursuit of, right? Mm. And it, so that's just like one aspect. I think that if I you know, if I were to like look at the different ways in which I've studied myself or I've helped my students study themselves, I think that the more angles that we look at ourselves, the more that, um, you know, we, we understand pieces of ourselves and, and really come to fulfill, what did I come here to do? Hmm. I'll, I'll speak of this other thing, which 
maybe my fascination with Vedic astrology is also because it just feels like there's this like meta meta system that's supporting it, right? You look at um, the yugas. So the yugas are these like time periods in the world. Oh, yes. Yep. You've okay. heard of this. Yes. Yeah. I, have. I was like, okay, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and the yugas speak to um, how we flourish or not in, in the world, right? And right now we are in Kali Yuga. And in this Kali Yuga, essentially is like people forget who they are. Right. So in, in like Vedic tradition, we look at certain souls. It doesn't, we don't, we don't, maybe we don't necessarily look at every soul as like every soul is an, is an angel. Um, we acknowledge in Vedic traditions that, okay, some souls are not that nice. Okay. Some souls are just like a little bit like younger, a little bit more like they're just about their ego and like, that's their nature. And then there's some souls that are about connection to nature. They're, they're that in-between um, kind of a bridge, right? And then there's souls that are like angelic souls. And in, the t- in other yugas, people remembered who they were, right? Like if you were a little demon, you knew you were a demon and that's the realm you were playing in. You were not playing in the Garden of Eden because like you knew where you're certain place was right mm-hmm. and i'm i'm uh making all this a cartoon and i i understand that's like a little deeper than this but just trying to like how we can see it right but now in kali yuga everyone's forgotten their place everyone's forgotten who they are the angels have forgotten the natures have forgotten the demons have forgotten and so everyone's just like intermingling with each other and it doesn't mean that there's like you know, I know we can demonize and polarize what it means to be um, a shadow entity versus a light entity. Um, but ultimately, if you look at traditions such as Hinduism and you see this in Bali perfectly, you walk into a temple and you're not walking on the light side. You are walking in the middle with, um, you know, shadow beings on one side and light beings on the other. And that is our walk as humans. We walk the middle way, right? We acknowledge that as much as like shadow things and demony things freak us out, we know that it's a part of what exists in the world. And sure, do we highlight and accentuate the light? Absolutely, because many of us, that's what we're in devotion to. But we have to, must acknowledge that all those things exist. Otherwise, we're just like in, in delusion, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, we're playing in a realm, like we're just in like light and love. And then we've forgotten that there are actual, um, you know, even internal um, shadows and internal demons that we are in relationship with. And so how do we want to do that? And it was a little bit of what I was saying about like our moon, um, tendencies, right? Like we Mm -hmm. all know, like when I said that we all kind of laughed inside, we knew there are things that we contend with, but if we ignore those things and we don't have ways of working with it, um, we're just living and pretend. And that's, I don't feel like that's what we're here to do. Like we're here to like be really present, right? That horizon uh, reminds us that we're part of both worlds. And so in, in this Kali Yuga, 
um, piece when everyone's forgotten, I think the more tools that we have to remember who we are, the more that we can actually fulfill um, what we've come here to fulfill. Because, you know, what Iris comes to fulfill is not the same as me or Jillian, right? We all have our different flavors. Um, I was just doing this like integration call with people that um, traveled with us to India on pilgrimage. And somebody was saying like, oh, when you read my Vedic astrology chart, you said something about my intuition and someone else was like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also like, I've also, my intuition has also increased. Like, what do I do with this? What do I do with these visions? And the thing for me is like, I can't give you that answer. But all I can mm-hmm. do is encourage you to find what your own flavor of what you are to do with that intuition that you have. Because it may be that for some someone who is super intuitive, they're supposed to, you know, tell people like, oh my God, something bad is going to happen. Prepare. And then for someone else, it may be like, okay, something bad is going to happen, but like we have the power to, um, you know, to do certain spiritual practices, or we have the power to support each other. We have the power to, um, you know, be advocates of people who are suffering. Like everyone has their own flavor of what they're to do with like all this information. So Iris, when you say like, what is someone going to get for me? It's like, oh my God, I just hope they just remember who they are. Right. And if that is like, even if it's just like a little piece, it's like, even if they just read upon their moon, what that nakshatra is, then if that reminds them of something within themselves, like, like that's enough. It's so beautiful. It's so funny. Last night I ended up, um, at a friend's women's circle and it wasn't even really a women's circle. It was like, we were literally in a circle, um, around a fire, but just talking and just spiritual things. And one of, um, it was actually Chris who we've had on this episode. She Mm -hmm. was there. She did the inner child work episode. Um, but she, we were all laughing because she was talking about the fact that belief that doesn't necessarily mean for, um, those listening that this is your belief, but she was laughing about the four of us sitting around in the circle of how we were, you know, up in, you know, in the galaxy deciding to come to earth and to let's forget everything. And let's put ourselves through all these trials that, you know, that we have to go through that make us really upset and really hurt and really sad. But those trials are going to help us to move us on the path that we're supposed to be. It was just this like funny little vision of us coming here, forgetting everything we knew about ourselves and that we chose to come here. And we chose to have this life path and the parents that we have and the trials that we have and all these things. Um, and I just love how you said that Vedic astrology, and I think you, you just put this across the board with multiple things, but are tools to help us remember who we are, who we are, because I feel like so many of us, us women last night, all included having this, like, well, I feel like I'm supposed to do something, but I'm still I know I'm doing all the things that I should be doing, but at the same time, there's still something and I'm not quite sure what it is. So this is just yet another tool to help us to go inward, to figure that out. And not necessarily that we need to know right now. And that's the other thing we're talking about is the surrender of it, of we don't have to figure it out in time. It'll unfold the way it's meant to, but this is just a tool to help bring little insights to us of like, huh, 
that's a little ping of like, oh, that's the way I, the reason I do what I do or whatever. But yeah, I just love that tools to help us remember who we are. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it will feel like I always say life doesn't lie, right? Whatever is in front of you is what you're have to deal with, right? If you have little kids, you know, like, you know, dreaming about like what you're supposed to do, what your purpose is, is like, well, maybe that's like secondary because you kind of have to feed this person. Right. And you got to deal with things, right. Mm -hmm. You know, but then there are these moments in our lives where the urgency feels like it's beckoning. Like it's just like, won't let us rest. It's that part inside of us that's like, no, you must go seek, right? You must go and find what is that way. Like, like the alchemist, right? Like you must go on that journey. You must. The cosmic joke is that we can feel that, but then we, we can't because we got little kids or we got a, a mortgage to pay or whatever it is that the thing is. Life doesn't lie, right? And it's how do we balance um, what is in front of us and then what feels so alive in our heart too. And, and yeah, and sometimes we got to have that attitude of like, it will unfold. And then if you're like as um, stubborn as me, it's like, um, okay, yeah, I can let it unfold. But I also like, I need to like go and do the thing too. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like the, the balance of the divine masculine and divine feminine of like letting it come but also like I also want to like work towards it at the same time so yeah totally yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um would this be a good point for those who are able to watch this on YouTube um for us to pull up a chart so we can see the differences and you can walk us through it okay there are different ways of reading each of the charts right like and even with western astrology like some people may use like whole signs um you know other people may use like another an, a, another um calculation point and with vedic astrology there are also different ways of looking at it um mm-hmm. what i have looked at and also like what each of the houses mean um but my main thing is for people to look at those three things the sun, the ascendant and the moon. So if you want to like, um, maybe pull up your chart and then we can go and like take a a tour. Um, take a tour tour of you. Jillian. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) All right. So, um, so here we are, um, with Jillian's, um, soul map. (laughs) Ooh, beautiful. And we were talking about how the specificity of the moment is. So if you can get your birth certificate um, and get the exact time, it's always better, right? Like, can you work with not exact time? You can work with it, but it's just, it. you're going to get better information, you know, better information in, better information out, right? Like, we got to be honest about that. Like with human mm-hmm. design, you kind of get away with not knowing exact, but um, with Vedic, I would say try if possible. Oh so my God, here my, you are. My chart is totally different. 
It like, is, right? Except all for right. the moon. The moon's the same, but everything else is different. Wow. Oh, all right. So let's start with um, just for so people can have this like perspective. You are a sun in... So let's talk about your tropical. Do you know okay. your threes, like your ascendant and your... Yes. Okay. Yeah. So my sun is Gemini. Okay. My ascendant is Capricorn. Okay. And my moon is Aries. Um, all right. I'm going to also throw another plot twist um, because the, the how I actually started taking a look at tropical and Vedic and my Vedic teacher is like, please don't do that. So I'll just, you know, I'm just telling you that my Vedic teacher is like, don't do that. Um, but I, that's what I did. Okay. And maybe this kind of helps bridge things for many of us. I started looking at from tropical to Vedic as an arc, Hmm. right? So this kind of helped my brain kind of understand like what could be happening on the tropical front and what could be happening on the sidereal front or the Vedic front. And what I've been exploring is what's the difference between the one and what's the difference between the other? I've obviously sold you on all the ways in which Vedic is just like super juicy. And we haven't even talked about the gems, right? I haven't even talked about the stones that people can like use to accentuate their Vedic chart. And that's Hmm. to me like the most fun. Um, But what I've kind of been looking at is that tropical has a lot to do with how we express out in the world. Like kind of like the soul of Jillian out in the world, how does it get manifested? Like how do you interact with the world, right? So a little bit more external. And then how I've seen the Vedic chart is more of like what's kind of happening on your internal universe, right? Mm. And of course that, like when we have that like access point of who we are, we can then go out in the world in a little bit different way, right? So that's the play that I would bring in. So I would, I personally would not rule out your, you know, tropical Gemini, um, but I would just be like, all right, like that's one interpretation. Now let's take a look at what this interpretation offers me. Ooh, and of course you have Sun and Rohini. That is delicious. Um, but I know <laughs> right. we're not going to talk about the Nakshatras, but anyway, I mean, but I'll just say now this I thing. Talk about though. Them. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Well, I just, I know Rohini really well, um, okay. but that is really, that is definitely the, um, Nakshat. It's, it's like one of the most priced Nakshatras in, um, in Vedic astrology. It is, um, the Nakshatra of, um, Krishna. Um, so everything that has to do with like, music, um, luxury, um, good living, um, you know, all those things that maybe some people think are not spiritual, but, um, because they represent, um, more worldly treasures. That is what Rohini, um, uh, signifies. Hmm. Um, but okay. So then here we have, all right. So in tropical sun and Gemini in Vedic, your sun is in Taurus. Right. So more earth sign, right? So weird. Yeah. So weird. Okay. All right. 
Interesting. Um, and, yeah. And then oh, we forgot ass- real quick. We forgot to yeah. tell listeners if they wanted to look at theirs oh. while we're looking at Jillian's. It was vedicastrology.us.com. And then you go to calculate chart and you'll enter your date, time, and location mm-hmm. of your birth. Yes. So just make it very, if you're living in a bigger city, it may get very specific. Mine like wanted me to put in the hospital. So if you're, it's very specific. Yeah. And I really like this, um, this chart because it, it doesn't confuse things too much. It just keeps it pretty simple. Obviously if people are like students, there's other, other tools, but I think this is a really great place to start. Um, okay. So sun ascendant in Sagittarius and, um, your other one is Capricorn. Are you, are you okay with this? (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's fine. She's having a meltdown. (laughs) No, it's fine. As you said, it's all, it's all all information, right? (laughs) Okay. Okay. And you know, Sagittarius is about being, um, you know, teacher, right? And Mula, this nakshatra has to do with, um, it's kind of like the energy of Kali, if you know this goddess who mm-hmm. we're kind of in veneration of with Durga. Uh, Durga mm-hmm. transforms into Kali. <laughs> Kali is like the great mother, great dark mother. Um, so the ascendant is a lot about that, right? Like your walk in the world is about that energy of the dark mother, who is really the presiding deity of all existence, right? If you really look at it, if we really honor, like, if we really honor the truth, um, the great mother is where everything comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then your moon is in Aries, so mm-hmm. more... Oh, oh, still in Aries, like both the fire sign. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, all right. So do you... So tell me what... what you know, well, here we have I, that. I know. So I think mm-hmm. what would be helpful for those of you who are, who are, have pulled up their own chart... So we see there's the South Indian chart and the North Indian chart, and they do look very different. Could you explain a little bit like what the difference is? I mean, like, um, it's a calculation thing. Um, it's a calculation thing. And then I, I'm a student of the South Indian, um, um, like lineage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though, um, like Vedic astrology, I believe was started in the North, because of colonization, because of the British, much of the temples and um, teachings in the North were um, were uh, destroyed, hmm. and the South um, was preserved because the British focused a little bit more on the North than on the South. Hmm. Um, so some of the more modern day teachers. Um, preside in in the south from this is like my understanding of it so but anyway my teacher comes from the lineage of the south so that's that's the place that i kind of Hmm. look towards um very cool and yeah and so like house one right like that has to do with your ascendant and you know the same same kind of uh, uh there's 12 houses just like you would see in western astrology there are some differences in how you look at um, certain houses a little bit, um, but there, there's also a lot of similarities without like getting into like a whole reading here. Um, I would say that um, another thing that we would want to pay attention to, right, is 
well, what's playing with um, your son and uh, what's what's also with um, the ascendant? What's your, the, your moon doing? So I'm I'm just here trying to find your moon. Okay, your moon is with Rahu. Um, it's Rahu. It, Rahu and Ketu is a little bit different. Also here um, than in Western astrology. So in Western astrology, we take a look at North Node and South Node. Mm-hmm. And in Western astrology, if you know this or remember this, we kind of look at North Node, um, which would be Rahu, R-A, the one that's in R-A, um, as what you are supposed to um, be leaning in, uh, be leaning towards in this lifetime. That's what mm-hmm. you would do to like grow as a soul. And then uh, South Node or Ketu is what you have mastery in. And in Vedic astrology, it's a little different. Um, Rahu and Ketu are are kind of like the head of the dragon, uh, which is what Rahu is, like an eclipse, a sun, a solar eclipse is like the head of, it's Rahu energy. Um, the head of the, the head of the dragon. And then Ketu is like the tail of the dragon. And with Rahu North node or what we would consider North node and and tropical, um, we actually look at like, Oh, what are the things that I was obsessed with in my past life? And, um, and then with Ketu is like, what are the things that I ignored or didn't pursue, didn't follow up on? So that's like another, like a little bit of a difference. And I'm kind of in the middle of trying to make sense of like Western and Vedic and how do we play with both of them. In Vedic astrology, there's a little bit more, I would say, um, caution and respect towards Rahu than you see in tropical. Like tropical North Node is like the everything, right? It's like, go do that thing. And I was in that phase also. Um, But I can see how... Um, you know, the respect that is given in, um, in Vedic astrology, um, of the obsession that we sometimes have with, you know, some of the things that we pursue, um, there's a way of tapering that a little bit more. So I I think like, you know, maybe you have like now more questions than, (laughs) than, uh, than anything else. But, you know, one of the things that I would say is like, I think this is where, accentuating um, the attributes would make sense, right? And one of the ways in which we can do this is by taking a look at like what would be the gems to focus on. Because, you know, we talked about this like, okay, the gems are one way of reminding ourselves and also like reminding our our own senses um, of this energy, Um but they're like another reminder, right? It's a reminder to how do I focus more on my sun? How do I focus more on my moon? And how do I focus more on my ascendant? Um, so I'm happy to go ahead. You have yeah, questions. Yeah, no, I just, just so, because I think with with tropical astrology, it's more informative. And I think this is one of the reasons why I really enjoyed diving into human design because it felt like something I, it was practical. It was something I could like actually do instead of just giving me language. Um, yeah. and so it seems like with Vedic astrology, it, it, it shares that in terms of literally depending on what your planets are and 
the specificities of that. There's different mantras, there's different traditions, there's different stones that you can wear. And so I think before diving into stones, I think it'd be just really interesting to, to learn a bit more about, about that. And like, what are some of these traditions and how do they relate to Vedic astrology? Yeah. Um, I, I can see how it looks like it's, it's also like information. Um, and because there is, when you look at Western astrology, right. And I mean, I can say this cause like I was a student, I am a student of that. There is not necessarily a foundational, um, spiritual practice, right? It's right, just right. information, <clears throat> right? May have been different, um, you know, in the <laughs> library of Alexandria. Right. Uh, like when the Olympians were still, you know, you worshipped know, on the daily and had their temples. It and, may have been different mm-hmm. then, but certainly today that isn't really a thing, right? Like mm-hmm. there are no mantras to Mercury, right? right. Um, and so when I, with the Vedic, of course there is, right? Of course there are deities. Of course there are um, certain energies. And, and I think it also matters who your teacher is. I, I, I always go back to that because you can, you know, have them from, even with human design, right? Like you can have certain mm-hmm. information, but if like your teacher doesn't talk about like the power that you have as a human, you're just like, well, I guess I'm just a projector. I'm just going to sit here and wait until someone invites me to something. It's like, no, you mm-hmm. actually have an agency of your life. Um, right. Like we can't become like so boxed in by certain definitions. And so the way that I have received the information of the stars and the planets is that they are our ancestors. They are our family members. They are not here to cause us harm. They are here to enhance and and help us fulfill um, those fulfillments of the soul. And Mm. so just even dropping into that, if we, we, we get so, we, we live in a world that's like information, intellect, information, intellect, and we forget that we are also sentient beings, right? We are beings that feel and experience. And if you remove that layer um, of spirituality, then of course it's just going to be information. And what I see in the Yotish and the Vedic astrology is that there are there are certain mantras, like we started off with mantras, right? If you didn't, even if you didn't do the mantra that is associated with your deity that you should, you know, that makes sense for you to focus on, if you just focused on um, asking permissions of, um, you know, if you're, if you're leaning towards Hindu tradition and you really like Ganesha, then being doing, doing a mantra to Ganesha. If you are Catholic, like, you know, Hail Mary, like that is the, that is the prayer of the great mother, right? There is no other greater prayer. Um, so just even the, the, the reminder that we are priests and priestesses of our own lives is like, to me, changes everything, changes the relationship to, to it all. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question though. No, it's beautiful. (laughs) Um, so let's get to crystals. 
Uh, okay. So each, each planet has gemstones that are associated with them. Correct? Each sign. Yeah. Each, it, each sign so and planet. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Okay. It can go both ways. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so this is where, if you haven't yet pause and go look it up so you can see, you can see what gemstones, um, correlate with your specific chart, but yeah, let's just go down the list. Are these gemstones that like for the thousands of years, like have been associated like with specific, like Vedic, like Vedic astrology says these gemstones are for these things or this mantra is for these, for this. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. And you know, to me, that is, I don't have words to describe, especially those of us who have plugged into modern day spirituality, Mm -hmm. where really modern day new age spirituality has just taken pieces from everything, right? Taken pieces from everything and has forgotten the roots of the things. Right? Even when you think of sacred geometry, like no one really knows where this comes from. Guess what? It comes from the Vedas. Right? Like even those, like these are the yantras, right? Like they, they're, they're, they are very old. And we're like, now we just like, oh, you know, these are, these are these like magical symbols. Like there are roots to everything. Mm-hmm. And I love, Iris, that you asked this question because... When we talk about the gems, just the gems, and your question just like uh, hit the nail on the head of like, this is a lineage. What you said is this is a lineage. This is the gem lineage. And through thousands of years, 10,000 years, these specific gems has, have been anointed as the ones that support Saturn, Venus, Moon, Sun. I mean, that in and of itself is like, we're not just plucking from random places, right? Mm -hmm. We have the privilege of being able to hear what what the Rishis, the first Rishis, described as, these are the stones to remind you of your sun, of your ascendant and of your moon. It's so amazing. cool, right? That's amazing. Mm. And I love too, because you said new age and it's like, I've always found so, that so hilarious. I of know. like new age. And it's like, is it really though? Because it's pretty much 10,000 years old. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have this like real fascination with gems. And by the way, uh, you'll, you'll hear the ones that I say, but I'm wearing emeralds. Ooh. And um, blue sapphires and little emeralds here, and then Beautiful. my other stones. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but so I have a real fascination with gems, and thank you for like pointing out that it's a lineage, even the lineage of what gems you wear is a lineage. I had told you both earlier that um, we just came back from a pilgrimage in India. And one of the things that I wanted to do for this group was to show them their Vedic chart. And so for each of them, I did like a little mini reading for them. And I wanted us to confirm with a Vedic astrologer 
of the gems that each of them should have to um, kind of accentuate um, the, the positive aspects of their chart. And so we did that. And then we went up to Kashmir and um, went shopping. <laughs> oh, fun! <laughs> Who doesn't love a bit of jewelry shopping? Right? I don't Amazing. know. That's the modern priestess in me. Yeah, um, and, adored. And so then, right? And so then we went and had um, the stones, you know, for those who felt a resonance to that. And the other thing that I will say is like, okay, it doesn't have to be emeralds and blue sapphires, right? If that is not in your, in, in your budget, um, there are things that you can switch out. But here's the thing. Um, so for instance, I'm not an, I'm, I don't really like diamonds. Um, I don't know why, but I just don't. Maybe there's lots of reasons, political reasons, I'm sure. Um, but I substitute the Australian opal, as you see me wearing in my um, middle finger. Mm. Um, and so that's my substitution. So my stone has to be much bigger than a diamond, mm. right? So my okay. the, the stone that would be asked of me to wear would be a diamond, um, but because that's not my thing, I choose the, um, white Australian opal and it would be a little, and it would be bigger. So as we walk through these stones, I'm going to tell you the alternates to do, but just know that you would just need to be, get a little bit bigger, um, of a, of a stone. Oh, darn. Kind of oh, darn. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, so should we go through them? Yeah. yeah I'm going to probably be okay. taking notes here. Yay. Yep. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So what you want to pay attention to, I mean, aside, obviously if you have the chance to have somebody do like do a, a, a legit reading, it's, it's a beautiful way so that we're not counteracting anything, right? Like that is always, always do that. Right. Um, but you want to look at your sun sign, your ascendant and your moon. Right. So for you, Jillian, it would be like sun. No, not Gemini. We, we switched. I didn't write the other ones down. So it would Taurus. be. It was Taurus. Um, Taurus is, is your sun, in right? Vedic, in Vedic, it is Taurus. Yes. Uh-huh. Your ascendant was. Is, in Vedic is Sagittarius. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then and moon then, stays Aries. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So let's start with Aries. Um, Aries and Scorpio. So Aries and Scorpio would be ruled by Mars and the stone to use here would be the red coral. And that one doesn't change. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Which you don't see very often nowadays. My mom used to have a necklace of red coral, but yeah, that's a hard one. It's, (laughs) you know, um, so again, you would substitute. Okay. Right. So, um, you know, I had like my first, um, Vedic astrology teacher was a little bit more, um, I would say she wasn't as traditional and she would have just any red stone, um, or yeah, any like red, any, not, not any red stone. You wouldn't use a ruby necessarily, but anything that was like more had that opaque kind of, yeah. 
Yeah, like maybe a carne- carnelian, is that? Mm-hmm. Is Sounds that like carnelian, maybe a jasper or sardonyx, mm-hmm. that kind of Some, thing. Something like that, I would say. Yeah. Because, you know, we also like part of, you know, being conscious um, uh, shoppers mm-hmm. is also like we don't want to necessarily like look for things that are harmful, right? Like, so, well, if so you think replaced. about it, if these were the traditional from 10,000 years ago, obviously red core was probably everywhere. So it was like, you know, whereas yeah. now, not so much. Yeah. Whereas but now, I, I'm loving that thing. we're literally learning from 10,000 years ago what people I use. Know. This is so amazing. Okay. I keep know. Going. <laughs> you know, and, um, well, I'll t- well, um, I mean, I'll show you for those who are watching. So here, um, in you'll see this in India, not not in this design. So I have it in an oval shaped, but typically the traditional design of wearing all stones will be in a square, and it'll look exactly like that South Indian. Um, uh, oh, chart. and the stones will be there. Um, I. You know, when I was went to go to that jeweler, I found, well, actually one of my students found this and she was like, I think you have to have this. And I looked at it and I was like, I think you're right. Um, and it basically. <laughs> Enabling each other. I love it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Happens in live that sales like, all the time. Right. Listen, listen, some of the people were like, is this actually spiritual? Because we're doing a lot of shopping. And I was like, listen, we are all about the Lakshmi energy around here. Okay. Um <laughs> And so whatever like renunciate energy you have as spiritual person, like, um, awesome. But like, that's not me, right? Like I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm good. Like I am one to like simplify, really assess what is necessary, but also we live on this plane Mm -hmm. and part of the beauty of living on this plane is enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Treating yourself sometimes. You got to right? do it because I'm the same. I'm very minimalist. I very rarely invest in anything, but sometimes you just got to. Apparently, I have splurge. a Taurus now, so I got to like. Well, yeah, now I've just <laughs> given you like carte blanche to like go shopping. So, yeah. Oh, this is All new. Those... I definitely got this yesterday. Ooh, look at you. Already embodying. I know. <laughs> um, okay, okay, so we, we have Aries. Yeah, we have, we have Aries and Scorpio. Okay. And then now Taurus and Libra, which is ruled by Venus. And this is the one where you would do the diamonds. And if Mm. you're like me and you're not as into diamonds, then you would do white sapphire, white topaz, um, uh, um, fire opal, um, or turquoise, which is a little like it's a little different than what you would imagine. Hmm. But those would be the other substitutes that you could that you could do for Taurus and Libra. Um, hmm. Then for Gemini, that is ruled by Mercury, you would do the emeralds. So that I, I have oh. the emerald here, and you would use this on your on your pinky um, specifically for emerald. The other ones you can you you can. If you use it on the middle finger, it's pretty good, except for um, Jupiter, which we'll talk about in a second. Interesting. So it's also finger. relative to where on your body you're putting these. Yeah. Which, oh. Yeah. And they say that okay. for women to use it on the left hand um, and then for men on the right hand. And I didn't follow that, but um, that's supposedly what is okay. another, another piece. 
cool. Uh, I mean, I'm a little rebellious like that anyway, but um, someone will school me at some point and I will switch (laughs) when the time is right. What's interesting is I I am, I'm my comparative lit major brain is going off because I think it's so interesting with Emerald. It's, I don't know. It's at first you're like, that's kind of an interesting stone to associate with Mercury, but then you're like, wait, but Mercury is often associated with, with, um, Thoth, I believe, right. The Egyptian God, um, with the Emerald tablets, which is talked about in the alchemist. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I just love her going really? full circle here. Oh, I didn't yeah. remember that wow. actually. Yeah, that like things could be written on an emerald. I remember like oh, there's a certain line about how like the yeah. wisdom of the world can be written on a single emerald. Mm. Yeah, wow. I mean, yeah, I and think Toph, it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, like this, these, all of these connecting um, pieces, these connecting pieces. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. And Toth is associated with Ganesha. So Interesting. as the record keeper, right? So we didn't talk about this, but, um, you know, a lot of people know of Ganesha mm-hmm. um, as the deity of, I think that like the, the simplistic way is like the remover of obstacles, mm-hmm. but he's really more than that, right? He is the record keeper. He is the one that um, taps into the records of our soul and finds a solution. And similarly to Toth, right? He is the record keeper. Um, of the halls of Amenti, of all of creation, not just our our soul. And I, I believe that there's this um, similarity um, between the two. They they could be the same. Um, hmm. Yeah. So, you know, hmm. I don't know if you know this about me, but like, so part of what I do is like taking people on pilgrimage and my two places is Egypt and India. So wow. this correlation of the two um, is like very interwoven um, for me also. So okay. yeah, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Okay. So we have Gemini um, who gets its own, okay. so Gemini, its own stone. Um, yep. Uh-huh. And then yep. alternatives. Emerald. What are some alternatives um, for Emerald? Yeah. So alternatives would be, let me just find them here. So Jade, mm. um, Onyx, um, Peridot hmm. and Aquamarine. Interesting. I yeah, know. and I took um, and these huh. these correlations I took from a a jeweler in Bangalore um, when I was just there. Um, so hmm. I was like, okay, I'm taking it from the actual person. So it's not <laughs> wow. from the internet. All right. So Sagittarius and Pisces is ruled by Jupiter, right? Jupiter is the guru, is the teacher. So this would go on your index finger. Um, Uh And the stone for it is yellow sapphire. So if you have um, moon, ascendant, or sun in Sag or Pisces, like this is if you were to prioritize what gem to get, I would say your Jupiter one should be the one to prioritize because that is like the teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, alternatives for yellow sapphire would be um, golden topaz. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I suppose if that was also um, not in your in your budget. You could um, use another kind of yellow stone. I was thinking citrine. Price citrine. Mm, yeah, citrine's good a good one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I like that, especially if it's like more on that um, yellow kind mm-hmm. of side to it, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they come in different 
colors. Is that right? They're usually like a honey color unless it's mixed with uh, smoky quartz. But if it's an orange, it's heat treated anyway. So you don't really want it. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. yeah. Iris taught me that. Yeah. <laughs> so real, real citrine. Yeah, um, I love that stone. <clears throat> um, okay. And then Capricorn and Aquarius is ruled by Saturn. And so the stone, that's where the blue sapphire would come in. But you, you could also do um, Amethyst and um, Lapis Azuli. Mm-hmm. Ooh, one of Jillian's uh, yeah, I know, favorites. right? I love that. I, I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, like a big, a big lapis um, ring. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, the mm. other thing that I didn't tell you too is that a little bit different to I don't know how other people use um, other gems is that the stone does have to touch your skin. Um, mm. So oh. if you can't get it in a ring that has like the back, the open, back open, then wearing it on your, you know, like, like as a necklace is, um, is probably the best. Yeah. So it just needs okay. to touch skin. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And then cancer, um, which is ruled by the moon, um, you would want pearls um, mm. or moonstone. Another beautiful one. I know. I love Moonstone too. And then Leo, which is ruled by the sun, you would use a ruby. Hmm. And um, alternates for rubies are, um, I saw them somewhere. Sunstone? Bloodstone. uh, Star ruby or garnet. And rubies, you can find like the super high-end fancy, but you can also get very inexpensive rubies too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. A raw, right? Or yeah. is that is that what you mean? And yeah. some have record oh, yeah. on it. Yeah, like I've got a ton of like little baby, you know, red corundum. It's just they're opaque, but they have yeah. like little uh-huh. stars on them. And you could definitely yeah. make that into into a ring or yeah. a necklace. Yeah. If someone has metal skills. I don't have metal skills. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Um. Very cool. Okay. Is that everybody? Hold on. Did we get everyone? That, I think that's everyone. Wow. Okay. Wait. Yeah. One, so two, three, in order, four, five, six, seven, you know, eight, again, nine, in order oh. of priority, if you, um, if you're, if you're kind of looking at your chart and you're like, I can't get all three stones, um, I would prioritize. We're missing Virgo. Uh, oh, we are. For my Virgos out there, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, wait. Don't don't move on yet. Virgo. Um, I'm sorry, Emerald. <laughs> okay, so it's yeah, Gemini so and Gemini, Virgo. Gemini and Virgo. Okay. Oh, yeah. got it. Sorry, okay, cool. friends. Yes. So Gemini and Virgo are Mercury, which is the emeralds, which you wear it on your pinky on your left hand if you're a woman, right hand if you're a male. Or you can swip out for Jade, Onyx, Peridot, and Aquamarine. Peridot. Mm-hmm. Very good. Or not. Yes. Yeah. I think both are correct. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So if you wanted to kind of prioritize, right? If this this is just this is me talking. I would say if you have any of the Sag Pisces placements, prioritize the Jupiter one. If you have um, any, you know, your Moon or Sun or Ascendant are in Taurus and Libra. Venus is also, especially if you're a woman, I would say prioritize that one. Mm. Um, and then if you 
what else would I prioritize? If you, if you didn't have any of those and you're like, okay, which one do I prioritize? I would say prioritize your moon, um, as the, the pearls, um, or moonstone or moonstone. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Question. Cause you brought it up. Um, so Mm -hmm. Asha, if you're not watching has a ring that's oval shaped with multiple stones in it, but you did mention the square now. So are you saying that basically the, your, you would recommend, or it's like traditionally you wear a ring that has your sun stone, your ascendant stone and your moonstone all in one square shaped ring. You can do that. All of that, them. that like is the whole list. So to all, all, all options, um, are available. Um, so yes, you can do one that's like more centered for you, but there is a traditional, use of these rings where all the stones are oh, in wow. one ring. And so, you know, yeah, if you're watching this, did you get you that in that India? In the this, yes, I got okay. this one in India, but traditionally it's not in the oval shape that you see. It's, it. it's square. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has the placements of each of the, you know, Mars, Venus, Mercury, all the, all the different planets uh, and the gems associated with it. Um, So when I went this last time to India, before I met with the, um, you know, with the group that was traveling with me, I had um, a Homa, which is a ceremony to all the planets. Um, I, um, I tasked my aunt with coordinating it with a local priest. And I didn't, I don't think I knew exactly what I was um, getting myself into or her into, cause it was like a big ordeal. She had to do a lot of preparation and they came like the day before and set it all up. And it was like this fire, sacred fire inside her home. And, um, there was like offerings made to each of the planets and mantras and chanting and, um, I mean, just offering after offering after offering um, for each of, um, you know, the aspects of my chart, you know? I mean, it's just kind of amazing, right, to be able to have that. So what I notice and why I say, why I talk about the moon is like what I notice is that when they asked me for my nakshatra, what they really asking me was like, what is my moon nakshatra? So the moon has a bigger emphasis in the Vedic astrology. I mean, we look at all three that we just talked about, mm-hmm. but the moon is like the, the kind of like bigger emphasis. Mm-hmm. And it also like reminded me, you know, those of us who don't get to have like those, you know, op- opportunities to do things like that is like the, the sacredness that comes with our own chart, right? Like if you want to mimic something like that, I would say, and Iris, you know this about me, like I'm a ceremonialist. That's what I do, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, every time that I start anything, I first offer it to the earth. And then I kind of like wait for the earth to say like, is it a go? Does it need tweaking? Like what's up, right? And in that, I think that all of us can take a page out of Vedic traditions if we don't have access to them and is to bring your chart, like print out your chart. Mm. print out your chart and make it an offering to the earth. Mm. You know, get incense for every, like one stick of incense for every house, (laughs) right? So get 12, um, you know, 12 uh, sticks of incense, lay them on the ground 
with your chart in the middle and open the directions, say a mantra and light each of the incenses and just like make this offering of here I am earth. Like this is like, I don't understand my chart in all the ways that I know I could, but I'm just like making an offering of this perspective of who I am. And, and, um, you know, I'm offering myself to you. And ultimately I know, I think that that is like one of the beautiful ways of remembering who we are when we remember that we are priestesses in our own ways and our, you know, whatever, it doesn't even matter what job we have. We are priestesses first. Love, so, love, yeah. love all of this. Um, I have a point and I'm like, do I bring it or do I not bring yes, it? Yes, bring, so bring, bring it, bring it. I love that in Vedic astrology, the most focus is on the moon because I feel like as women, we're more associated with the moon, whereas the sun is the masculine. And again, Chris had this profound point last night when we were all in our little women's circle of the different ages of where women were the powerful beings. They were the high priestesses, the goddesses, and they were sexual beings, and they were just just revered for our power and the ability to create, like we can create life in our womb and how powerful we are. And then we went through these phases, our most recent were, you know, the masculine phase and oppressing women and men fearful of women's power, power and trying to bring them down so that we don't shine. And now we're entering this period of becoming more level with one another. And I don't know, just the fact that it focuses more on the moon and us tapping into our our power. We are powerful beings and we we can create and we can manifest. And not that men can't, but I don't know. It's just like all intertwining in my head and I'm just loving but every bit of it's, it. Like we were saying before, it's like remembering, right? Like yeah. it's giving us a window into remembering what we are capable of. Yeah, I agree. You know, sometimes, so my Vedic astrology teacher is a man and um, sometimes like there's certain things that he says, I'm like, is he sexist a little bit? Um, but I think like, I, I mean, I, he's amazing. He's like an amazing teacher. Absolutely. And part of his invitation, and this is where like my, you know, my lived experience as a woman who's had to be at times in my relationship, like the primary um, breadwinner. So I've had to tap into that you know, very like, I got to get shit done. Like, I, I don't know who's like, I'm not sitting in some fucking throne, like, okay. But I also got to like do the things. <laughs> um, so this complexity that I've lived in my 52 years and part of his invitation that I've, you know, sort of like felt a little bit like triggered by is that you as a, as being born a female in a female body is to double down on those feminine aspects. And those feminine aspects would include things like cooking, which if it's like the big joke here that I don't do that. Um, I mean, I used to, but I don't anymore. And like, you know, all those things that are, are typically associated with being woman. So this is what, this is what you're, your teacher was saying. 
I'm, that's what he he okay. would say, right? Just, so, so like okay. I'm kind of taking that information from him, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm also like, okay, and me as a 52 year old woman, I have had a very complex lived experience of what it means to be a woman who I haven't had that. That cooking is like the way that I can express myself, like I've had to express myself by being the teacher and the breadwinner and the like, you know, I don't know, real estate buyer, like whatever, like all these things that, you know, I've had to do and I've, and I'm happy that I've, that I've been able to do. And at the same time, I also see what, what he brings up of like, we are being asked of ourselves. No one please don't ask this of any woman. Only if you're a woman and you're asking this of yourself, great. Like we are also being asked, or I feel like I'm asking myself, like, can I believe in that part of me? Can I believe in that receiving um, aspect of who I am? And I love um, this inquiry because we are in the day, right, where we are starting this Navrati, where it's like it, Durga. Durga is not hanging back in her spiritual warrior-ness, right? But also Durga <laughs> is not Durga 28 days out of the month. It's like, okay, we can be that, um, that what the patriarchy deems as feminine, um, for, you know, a season or a couple hours a day, I don't know. Um, but then also there are these aspects of us that, um, you know, are not passive and are not constructs of what society has deemed as like, um, to express your femininity, you must do these things. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to bring that up because I think it's a, it's a, um, both and. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's one of the things that's so incredible and resonant about the moon is the moon is constantly changing. And, you know, if, if we are looking at the moon as like a, a feminine energy planet, then it's, it's showing us that actually it's quite normal to change and it's quite normal to at times shine very brightly. And it's completely normal at times to like go in for integral rest. And at times we can be really proactive and like pull those tides. And at other times we can create life and other times we don't, and we can be receiving and reflective. And I think, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why the moon, not in every culture granted, but in, in most cultures end up being very feminine associated with, with more feminine energy. Um, and there's a whole mystery teaching even in in the Vedic um, studies, which I'm dropping into even more deeply, that there is there is a mystery with every single tithi, every single aspect of the moon. Um, there's like an entire mystery. Like I, I'm I'm in this like middle of like a um, pretty in depth um, course and. There's a yantra that we're studying, and I'm like, oh my god! Within like one line, there are like mysteries within that line. There are depth, there are layers, right? And it's the same thing with the moon. And when we think about it, um, when we're in that relationship of just even going outside every night and looking at the moon, what is she doing? Um, I think that there's something really um, that 
turns on inside of our bodies when we just have just even the witnessing relationship with the moon. So these questions of like, is my teacher sexist or um, is the patriarchy or is there truth or is it both? I don't know. Or and also like our own lived experiences. Right. And like, you know, we don't have the privilege, most of us to just hang back and and be this ideal thing that people have deemed as feminine. Like we don't all have that. So there has to be some level of compromise inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. that we are both, we are masculine and we are feminine. And also like like the light and the dark, the light and the shadows, we are both. And it's not even even like one is shadow and one is light. I mean, we're just, it's not even a compromise because I know plenty of people who are very happy, like women who are very happy being more aggressive and like go getter or, you know, like I'm queer, like the people I date are very masculine presenting and they in no way, shape or form want to be seen as feminine. You know what I mean? Mm. So there's so many different mm-hmm. ways of being female or identifying that way. So, you know, it's, it's, I think all taking in our lived experience and, and what feels like the right balance for each of us. Yeah. I really like that you, that you said that because in these And, you know, this is like a, you know, when you were talking about a lineage and I am so into um, dropping into lineages, right? And, oh my God, there's like teachings there that supersede um, my own lifetime and my grandparents' lifetime. And also, there is also opportunity to evolve lineages, um, through hopefully, um, students of such lineage. Right. Mm -hmm. So part of like what I'm, what I'm also like in the, in the, I don't know, analysis of as, as I'm having a teacher who is male, um, and who has had a very male, um, perspective to his living, he is transferring his knowledge to me. Um, someone who as a, you know, um, woman of color, immigrant, all these other identifiers, I'm receiving that transference and then also adapting it, right? Adapting it to something that I can take, I can take what I'm being given and then I can um, um, translate in a way in a group of women, like, you know, like the conversations that we're going to be having are going to be different than me having conversations with my teacher and my teacher's teacher, um, because they just don't have the lens that we have, mm-hmm. right? We get to evolve, like we get to evolve these lineages, especially when we are being given um, that anointing into, into the lineage, you know, like even like the conversations that we have in, in like human design, right? Like we get to evolve these things, like just because it was given in this one way, mm-hmm. as long as we pay respects to the teachers that have come before us, um, you know, we, we also get to, to say, I love this and this part feels like it's boxing me in a little. And so, and it could be boxing someone else in. And with that in mind, I'd like to open up that lens a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. And and redefine what, is it, what does it mean to be feminine? <laughs> mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a woman, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that's one of the things too that I've loved about the archetypes of the goddesses, especially the Hindu goddesses, is that they, they have every kind of vibe 
um, that you can imagine. That's so true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Depending on the aspect that we we kind of want to tap into. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really kind of appreciate that about about the lineage, even though the patriarchy um, does run through still um, alive the and system. well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. But I think that, you know, just tying it back, I think that's also this type of opening the lens is really, I think what this episode is about. Like we don't have to be locked into one certain lineage, but it is important to acknowledge the history and the traditions and where it come, where it came from instead of just like stealing. Right. Um, so like, <laughs> yes, understanding it, but you know, we are all evolving as humans. And especially if you're coming from tropical astrology, if it, you know, like, Ash, like you were like, you know, my teacher said, don't do this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. It's like, <laughs> you know, look at it. I like to look at it as an arc. Like we get, we get to do that as long as we honor the traditions first. So I think that's, you know, a big thorough through line, like through this episode is, is it's important to, to honor the history, but also if something doesn't resonate, that's okay. It's totally fine. Oh my God. But it's also worth looking at why doesn't it resonate? And is Mm -hmm. that because it actually doesn't resonate or is it because you're being triggered by something that needs to be looked at? And both of those are valid experiences. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I know, um, maybe related or unrelated to astrology, that point that you just brought is the most practical thing, right? Is looking at those moments where we get the, the ping of like, this doesn't feel right, but like, does it not feel right because it's not in resonance or is there something I'm resisting in the Mm -hmm. information that's here? Um, and it's, and it's a beautiful place of curiosity, right? Which I, like, uh, you know, I just shared with you, like my teacher may be listening to this episode and I'm going to, you know, be saying that and like, that's, that's a really, <laughs> right. But that's a really important thing to be in inquiry of our humanity. Like, oh my goodness, somebody said that. And I'm in this wrestling of like, am I in this wrestling because it doesn't? fit me or am I in this wrestling because there's something for me to look at and is it an both mm. <laughs> thing mm-hmm. this has been just such a juicy like I feel like I'm sipping on some warm tea and just feeling all the feels I don't know this has been such a good episode Asha thank you so much for being I'm not ending this I'm just saying thank you so much for being here <laughs> Or, I mean, I feel like we've gone on different little beautiful topics within this Vedic astrology that it's just been so like, I love it. I just feel like, again, I I think I said this our last recording episode, but I feel like each episode when we come in to record ends up being just this soul, like fulfilling, like a crystallizing conversation. Yes. Yes. Like, Hanging out with my spiritual soul sisters, just feeling all the feels and getting into the the nitty gritty of bringing up different topics. And thank you. Mm. That's basically, I'm just saying thank you for being here for that. Yeah, no, I, I, um, likewise, I feel similarly, you know, I think it's when we talk about a big topic like this, it's like, Ooh, okay. Do we like do deep dives or do we like 
Skim. Um, you know, Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we were able to kind of honor depth um, and still be able to have someone who's new to it um, receive something from it, um, which is, you know, good and also makes it more practical for mm. someone to be just like listening to a regular conversation about like, hey, I've been on this journey and this is what I found and this is what I've found so far. Like, um, what pieces do you want to pick up? Yeah. Beautiful. And I also like to ask um, each guest a question at the end, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with Vedic astrology. It could just be what you're feeling now or a ping you maybe recently got and want to share. But I asked the question of if you had the opportunity to speak to millions of people all over the planet, what message would you want to share? What sentence would you want to share? What sentiment? And I often say no pressure. Like if you need a moment to, some people have it right away. No, I know mine. <laughs> okay. I know mine. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think it's very related to astrology and even very related to people using anything outside of ourselves to help us, right? Like whether it's crystals or gems. And I think it's um, remembering that we have power to not only to overcome whatever challenges we have, but also to help other people remember. You know, we are living in a time that is very complex and simple answers seem to miss us. And we can easily feel as though we don't have power to be a part of solutions. And I really want to remind us, but also shake up that belief that we cannot be part of solutions because our own flavor of expression is important. And it cannot just be like, is just about me, right? It cannot just be like, I'm here to fulfill myself and period and a story. Like, yes, that's step one. <laughs> and then step two is, okay, and we're here to help our loved ones. And then step three is like, oh, and we're here to help humanity. And then step four is like, oh, and we're here to like contribute to the earth so that generations to come can know that something that we added as a family, as a lineage, made, you know, generations forward life just a little bit better for them. I think like we are so powerful and the moment that we were born is 70% of the story. It's 70% of what defines our destiny, but that that 30% that we have as beings who have will (laughs) that we can change not just our storyline, but the storyline of our lineages and generations to come. I really believe that. I really, really believe that. And there are moments that I forget and, and probably why, you know, these kinds of efforts of podcasts and books that people write and, Things that people say on TikTok or, you know, wherever on social media matters because we're these like acupuncture points for each other for remembering the power 
that is within us for sure. Beautifully said. Love. Thank you. Thank you, Asha, so much. This has been, yeah, very soul warming. And we both appreciate you being here and contributing and being amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you for creating the space. Mm -hmm. So I think that concludes our episode. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating. Please share with your friends. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and on TikTok. We love to know what you thought about this episode. If you have any questions uh, for us or for, or for Asha. Um, and thank you for being part of this amazing crystallizing community. Thanks everybody. Thank you. This concludes another episode of Crystallizing Conversations. We are so grateful for every moment you spend with us, whether that's listening in or connecting with like-minded friends in the Crystallizing community. To find out how to join, visit us at crystallizingconversations.com, where you can also explore our memberships, which gives you access to bonus episodes, astrological forecasts, behind-the-scenes content, live Q&As, meetups, and more. If this episode resonated with you, you can deepen your exploration through our embodiment journeys, ranging from mini courses to guided meditations to applied practices, all curated to support your embodiment and integration of each episode's topic. Remember, every time you choose to heal and grow, the collective heals and grows with you. Thank you for crystallizing with us.